Welcome to episode 31 of the Golf Betting System podcast. This is our US Open preview covering the 118th United States Open Championship at Shinnecock Hills. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGO Tour previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and podcast pundit, or pundit even, Barry O'Hanrahan from A Good Talk Spalled. Now, good evening to you gentlemen. Evening Steve, evening Barry. Evening guys. How are we all? Stressing. <laughs> Keep your eyes off that leaderboard, Barry. Keep your eye <laughs> off that St. Jude classic. <laughs> Please. Um, all of the content we're going to run through, it's all linked to our website, golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Twitter handles for you. I'm Steve Bamford, of course. That's at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. We are available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android, Player FM and Podtail. Uh, naturally, subscribe or follow the podcast. We had a few more subscribers this week. And tell your friends about the show. I'm expecting that as this is a US Open preview, we're going to get uh, some new and different listeners. So welcome to the show. If you could rate and review us on iTunes, that would be fantastic. We've now got eight customers who have taken the time to rate us, and we have got a five-star score on iTunes. Leave us a good review, and we will read it out next week. Right, let's crack on. Time is not our friend this week. So we're talking the US Open at Shinnecock Hills. And uh, I thought I'd start by just kind of putting this uh, line in the sand because it's very easy at these major championships to just think that you've got to back, you know, the top four or five, one of the, or two of the top five in the market, they always win. And as we got, you know, as us guys know, and, and we just got to go back to what happened at the Masters a few months ago with Patrick Reed, that isn't always the case. And it's very much the same here at the US Open. It's not so much the, the odds of the winners, but you know, just I'll take you through the uh, odds of people that have placed over the last few years at US Opens. Brooks Kopka last year was a forty-five to one stroke, fifty to one shot, and he was well backed. Um, but behind him, we had the likes of Brian Harmon at two hundred to one. We had Tommy Fleetwood, who was a hundred and sixty to one. They were get, getting full each way places. And of course, we had uh, we had Xander Schifeli, who at the time no one had heard of, five hundred to one full each way payout. Um, Bill Hass was one hundred and fifty to one. Go back to twenty sixteen. Dustin Johnson won at Oakmont. Yep, sixteen to one. Which actually, looking back, was a half decent price. Yeah. Uh, Shane Lowry, one hundred and twenty five to one. Jim Furyk, one hundred to one. Scott Piercy. 300 to 1. Even Sergio and Brandon Grace were 50 and 55 to 1 shots. Mm. Um, Louis Oosthuizen back in 2015, he came, uh, I think it was joint, um, I think he came third, 100 to 1. Uh, Jordan Spieth won that year at 9 to 1. So it's just fact that 2018 US Open, there will be triple digit prices out there who are seriously in contention. That's just going to happen. And if we go back to the likes of Webb Simpson in 2012, he was 80 to 1. And of course, the biggest of them all was Lucas Glover back in 2009 at Beth Page. Yeah. It was 225 to 1 when he won Big that. Big old price, wasn't it? 
It happens, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. That was a bit of a strange one at Bethpage, wasn't it? Because um, it was delayed in sort of Monday in the end with the weather, wasn't it? But, um, but yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because you, you look at those names and you know, the winners, as you say, um, with the exception perhaps of Webb, the rest of them um, were pretty elite players. You know, even even Kupka, as you say, he was, he was well-backed and um, you know, he was, he was a decent enough price given the potential that we knew he had. But some of those... Each way places, wow! And actually, last year there's a right old mix of different styles of those of players, wasn't there? In terms of those who placed, you know, if you're talking Kupka first and then Brian Harmon second, that's like yeah, chalk and cheese, yeah, yeah. isn't it? It but, is chalk. And cheese. But yeah, trying to pluck out these um, these value players, um, that's going to be a, a, a challenge for us to uh, to put together for next week when we come up with our final selections for the U.S. Open. Do you think? I mean, Erin Hills was clearly a a new golf course. It was a it was interesting because I heard Rory McIlroy at the Memorial in a pre-tournament um, interview last week saying that basically Mike Davis and the USGA have got this fantastic knack of overcomplicating everything and basically cocking it up. Mm. And I think that was what they did at Erin Hills. Yeah, it's too easy, wasn't it? You know, that was a course that blatantly needed a lot of wind to defend itself mm. and it didn't get it. And allegedly, before the the rounds on Thursday and Friday, they were watering the course. Yeah. And you just think, mm. It was wide as well, wasn't it? It, it, it? You weren't getting much penalty for, you know, you had to be particularly wide off the tee to uh, to get any kind of penalty, weren't you? Well, you get the stand and Kevin Nar photos when Kevin's up to his neck in, in <laughs> hay, don't you? But... He doesn't mention that 65-yard wide fairway that he should be hitting in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Should we talk about Shinnecock Hills? I know that we've, we've all had time to have a, a look at it and you know do some research on the internet and look at Twitter and whatever. Barry, what I mean, what do you... I know you had a good look at the course, a lot of flyovers and whatever. What do you make of it? Because clearly it's a, it's a course over there in New York State on Long Island that's got a big history... Um, it's one of the earliest golf courses in the United States. They claim that it's a pure links golf course, although I think that's up for debate. Um, what what are your what are your takings on it? Um, well, I watched all the flyovers the other day, uh, yesterday actually, so they're pretty fresh in my mind. Um, first comment is that they, whatever angle they seem to do the CGI from, was just bloody awful, and it made everything look wider than it actually was. <laughs> You know, I think with a little bit of wind that these fairways, if there's a bit of speed in them, that whatever 41 yards average width that they have, that's going to become effectively an awful lot narrower, um, and particularly as as the ball goes further down the fairway. So, you know, the the actual, the, the playability of those fairways becomes a lot narrower if, they, if there's a little bit of wind. And I had a quick look at the forecast there it looks reasonably um calm you know nothing over 10 miles an hour at the moment but then again we're a week away <clears throat> and we all know how fickle the weather can be mm. like the the first i mean one of the comments i sent to you guys when i was looking at them after i was most of the way through the round but um the takeaway i kind of got from it was that you could play to somewhere between 14 and 15 of the greens just hit the ball into the middle of the green and you're not going to have a ridiculously long uh, birdie attempt and the, yeah. the the greens are very, there you know there's there's undulations, there's slopes, etc. etc. They're, they're golf greens, but a lot of them tend to bowl towards the middle of the greens. So, you mm. know if the, I 
I think a cons- I think there's definitely a case to be made in my mind for a couple of very steady conservative golfers who will just pick their way around the course and take the opportunities as as they arrive and uh, if they can be patient. Um, some guys will go out really hot, but you know if you're firing at those pins with the way they've shaved the banks around the greens, there's bogeys to be made just as easily as birdies can be made, if not double bogeys. Some of the up and downs, if you get yourself in the wrong position around the greens, are, I mean, true nightmares. So I think a lot of my focus for my bets right now um, will be towards very steady, patient players and in the likes of the way Ricky Fowler has been very patient with his uh, majors game. Um unlucky in the Masters the, the way he just came up against Reed and finished one mm. shot short um, somebody else has kind of come into mind you know Matt Kuchar your Justin Roses those kind of players feel to me like um, the ones that might feature or, or will have the best chance of featuring rather than a high variance player um, we're adding into the fact that they've lengthened the course by oh, a good over 400 yards yeah, it's big changes. Oh, yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a beast of a course. It, it for a par seventy, yeah. Yeah, it's, for a par seventy, it's a big golf course. So, um, you certainly need a guy to be. You don't need. I don't think you need somebody to be super long, but you need them to be long enough to be able to to contend at this and, and feature. Uh, unless uh, uh, unless they do like a Brian Harmon type performance from last year in Aaron Hills. Mm. So, I think. I think you. I think you get yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I think you get variants like as Paul said. You know, you, you will get a Brian Harmon type that gets involved. Whether they win ultimately, we don't know. But just just a couple of things before we move on. Worth mentioning that we're recording this on Thursday evening. So this is Thursday, the week before the U.S. Open week actually starts. So weather forecast that we're looking at: long range, ten days. You know, we, you can't draw too much into that. But as Barry says, forecast that we're seeing looks like um, wind. 10 mile an hour worse case scenario um, and it doesn't look like there's going to be too much rain in the build up to the tournament mm. and that could mean of course a, a faster course than the quite lush pictures and videos that we're getting at the moment from guys that are going out there doing their recaying and their homework and of course you'd expect that anyway they're going to firm that golf course up and they're going to try and make it fast just to put the length of the course into context. This is a seventh. It's going to play as a seven thousand four hundred and forty-five yard par seventy. And to put that into context, Chambers Bay was seven thousand four hundred and ninety-two yards in twenty fifteen. That played as a par seventy-one. Pinehurst number two was seven thousand four hundred and twenty-two yards back in twenty fourteen. And Atlanta Athletic was 7,450 yards, and that played, again, as a par 70 back in 2011. So it's a long golf course. If you're looking in terms of Shinnecock and you want some course relations, this, again, it's similar to the course that we saw a couple of weeks ago for the Byron Nelson, which was a core and uh, Ben Crenshaw course. This, again, this uh, Shinnecock Hills layout, since the last US Open was held here, has been renovated by Court and Crenshaw, and they've put wider fairways into it, although the USGA have, have brought them back down again. But effectively, it is a lynx-looking golf course. It's two miles from the coastline of Long Island. Um, so if you're looking for course relations, um, of course, Pinus number two wouldn't be a bad shout. The 2014 course, that was Core and Crenshaw. And of course, 
the Trinity Forest course that we saw a few weeks ago at the Byron Nelson again is one of their designs but the field there was very selective and quite weak so you're probably not going to get too many players that played that that um, are going to be a feature of the US Open this, this week. What are your thoughts Paul and what you've seen? Do they, you, you, are you concurring with, with a lot of what Barry's saying? Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how it differs to the last time that we saw it, which was back in uh, 2004, wasn't it, when Goosen won? Because, um, as you say, it has changed since it's been lengthened. The, green, the greens themselves are a bit bigger. Um, just, I, I read through some of the quotes back, in the, um, back from that renewal back in 2004, and one from Lefty um, stuck out to me because he talked about it being a very strategic course about... Um, only picking maybe four or five holes where you can have a real go at attacking the flag. The rest of them, um, it's kind of hit it, try and find the fairway, which um, should be easier this time around because it is, is wider than it was back um, 13, 14 years ago. Um, find the fairway, hit the middle of the green, leave yourself a mid-range putt, hope you can make you know, a, a few of them over the course of the week and you're going to put yourself into position. I mean, if you look at the winning scores... Um, here for the last three renewals, and again, you know, notwithstanding that the, the, the course has changed uh, to a degree since, Goosen won at four under, um, and he and Lefty were the only two players under par. Uh, Pavin won at uh, evens, and Floyd back in '86 um, was one under. So historically, it's not been a pushover, and when it's firm, fast, and there is a little bit of wind, it's a challenging course. Um, and it's a course where you have got to be patient. And a lot of what Barry said resonated with uh, with me because I think you need to be that kind of um, you know a risk reward player isn't likely to is is likely to lose patience with this. I think I think you need to have that um, kind of stoical approach to your game um, and the patience to to play the the the, the holes um, the way that they're designed to be played in terms of you know that's a difficult hole I'm going to you know attempt to walk off with par with that um, you know even the par fives are, are long aren't they one of them's over six is about six ten six fifteen yards the other one's just under six hundred yards so they're not going to be a gimme in terms of um, birdies and, and certainly not in terms of eagles anyway so um, I think it's going to be a patient kind of approach one thing that did stick out to me was the um, requirement for a decent short game and I think the way that they've shaved um, a lot of the the rough back so it's now you know, the runoff areas are stronger and um, you know, certainly more um, uh, more of a challenge than they were um, back in 2004 um, and back then um, you needed a decent short game to get around this course and in fact um, Goosen who won he topped the uh, stats for scrambling that week um, and I think there's going to be even more emphasis on this because if you consider that people are going to be more expected to hit the fairways because they are wider, and um, some of them, there's one of them, is up to about 60 yards wide. So um, you're expected to hit fairways. Um, from there, you're quite likely to be coming into very firm and fast greens. Are you going to be, a hold, be able to hold the greens if they're firm? You know, that remains to be seen. I suspect not. Um, it's not a kind of course where you can play it along the ground, though. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a true links in that respect. So um, people are going to be taking an airborne approach, but trying to stop it on very firm and fast greens. So I suspect a lot of people will be rolling off greens um, down these uh, runoff areas and a short game that 
presents you with different options um, as to how you play that. Um, you know how you play that uh, that chip or the bump and run or flop shot or whatever you you need to to play. Um, I think that the players have got the most ability in their armory for that kind of um, that kind of game are, are going to be the ones that tend to get the uh, you know to gravitate towards the top by the end of the week. I don't think scrambling from over 30 yards as a stat would be a, a bad one to look into, potentially. No, I, I, it's not as if you're going to be hacking. You know, if, if, if you're seriously wide and you're going into the really long stuff, then, yeah, you're going to, be, you know, you're going to, you're going to do well to find greens. But, um, you know, it's, it's not this older-style um, US Open where if you miss the fairway, you're in kind of ridiculously deep... No rough that you are hacking out sideways and then you know you're trying to get up and down from yeah. 60 or 90 yards it's not it's not going to be like that it's going to be far more links like particularly if it does stay dry and um, but the difference is and again from everything that i've kind of read and um you know kind of gleaned from the information that's out there it's not a traditional you know links where you you try you know you can potentially run run the balls onto greens it's not it, like that. it's the new form of us open defense isn't it this the way that they are promoting shaved off run you know running areas they, they're going for the masters type approach yeah. the augusta national i'll read this from rory mackerel yeah i think i mean um i would love to get it fast and firm and that would play more like an open championship than it does a US Open but Shinnecock doesn't give you the opportunity too much to run balls into greens you still have yeah. to fly it on the greens yeah, yeah, yeah. where an open championship on a Lynx course over in the UK you could get you can run it in you won't be able to do that at Shinnecock mm. especially if they get the firms as fast as they want to get them yeah. so yeah I think, I mean, this is interesting because it kind of runs into trends, and I, I was going to go into this now, the trends of winners when they are arriving at the US Open course. Mm. And, of course, courses change, but the kind of concept of a US Open type winner, when you when you actually make a, a breakdown of what these guys had arriving at these courses, you do see a serious similarity, and I'll, I'll, I'll quickly go into that. Um I think one thing to just to to mention about 2004 was they let the USGA at the time let that course get seriously out of hand. Yeah, it was dry, wasn't it? Uh, oh, mate! By by the end, it was looking more like um, it it was just brown. The mm. course wasn't it? Yeah. It was way out of hand. I don't think that that could ever happen. And I know that Mike Davis at the media day a few weeks ago was adamant that you know that would never happen mm. again. They they know what they're going to be doing in terms of watering the course. Um, I still think in my mind, even though it's 7,500 yards and a par 70, I think if the course plays in conditions that are very, very um, windless, I think that course is still going to be relatively gettable. And I would not be surprised to see a double-digit score still winning it. I'm not suggesting 19 under any of this rubbish, but I could see a a 12, 13 under, a good traditional kind of mid-score winning it. Yeah, if, it depends where they... If, if, it, if, it, if it doesn't blow a hoolie. No, I mean, the only protection they've got, and if, it, if it's calm, is to really tuck the pins away in some, some evil positions. And I guess it will come down to how... Uh, how how much it's got out of hand maybe after the first day or two yeah. and if you know if, if people are shooting six under on the first day then perhaps um, you know perhaps, perhaps they'll need to revise where they go with it 
if they can get it Oakmont fast, if you remember, mm-hmm. well, of course, if it gets as fast as that, yes. Mm. Um, but uh, we, we don't know that just yet, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know it's been a particularly wet week over there this week, so um, we don't really know. Let me talk about these trends. Oh, the other thing that ne- any of us have mentioned, and there is an elephant in the room, Poana greens, yeah. pure. No Ben. Pure 100% Poana. Yeah, and they don't all lie. And as, and as we know, that's going to rule out plenty in this field. Because mm. plenty of players just cannot get on with it. Yeah, the, the California lads tend to get on with it a bit yeah. more, don't they? Because they'll have been brought up on it. And Lefty's brought it up in uh, conversation before, hasn't he? But, um, but yes, yeah, some some of the guys, particularly the, the, the people who've brought, uh, who are more used to Bermuda... Uh, surfaces they can uh, they can get a little bit unstuck with it let me read these out to you now I'm just going to bark some stats to you but try and keep interested because it's it's an interesting trend right Kopka Green's in regulation of the two tournaments he played before arriving here 35th but interestingly second at Colonial Uh, and in his last outing at Southwind he was first for total driving second for strokes gained off the tee and 13th for all round Dustin Johnson the year before. He was 10th for greens in regulation in, uh, at St Jude. The week before that, he'd been 3rd for greens in regulation at Memorial. And then that week um, at St Jude, he was 1st for total driving, 4th for strokes gained off the tee, and 2nd in the all-round category. Jordan Spieth, 31st for GIR the, week, uh, the tournament before, but at Colonial in his outing before that, he was 2nd for GIR. You see where this is headed? Yeah. Uh, he was also at Memorial, which was uh, he was total driving of 16th. He was fifth for strokes gained off the tee, and he was fifth for all round. And I can go down to Martin Keimer, who was first for total driving at Wentworth on his last outing, and he was third for GIR. So I'm reading there, third, second, third, second, and third for greens in regulation of the last four winners in one of their two starts before they went to the US Open. And also... Fantastic total driving and strokes gained off the tee numbers. Mm. Yeah. If you're in, if you're in the top twelve or thirteen for the all round game, so the putting, the chipping, and everything's tickety boo, you've got a good chance when you're arriving at the golf course, haven't you? The only one that's a little bit more extreme than that is going back to uh, Justin Rose, and it isn't really that extreme. He was thirteenth for greens in regulation at Memorial the outing before. He was eighth for total driving. And he was 13th for the strokes gained off the tee. Yeah. And he was 8th for all rounds. It's still, so, still solid, isn't it? It's very, very solid. Oh, but, we know, know Rosie's game, don't we, so. Yeah, That, to me, is a set of numbers that really does create quite a, a strict criteria of people that we'd need to be looking for this week. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You need people that are in total control or very good control off the tee. A little bit of power, of course, really, really helps, especially on a 7,500-yard par 70. And you need guys that have got real controls, control of their irons as they're arriving at the golf course. Do you think a Lynx-positive player is the, the, the angle to attack this from? I think a Lynx-positive player and someone that has got some serious West Coast form in the United States. Mm. Because, you know, we know the courses that we need to see, see in format, don't we? We need to be seeing form at Pebble Beach, pure Poana. Yeah. Torrey Pines, pure Poana. 
something like Beth Page where they played the 2015 Barclays, uh, where Ricky Fowler blew the lead coming down the stretch, and uh, and guess who won that? That was um, Patrick Reed. That's a good course as well because that's a very long pure Poana golf course. I think you need form at some of those places. Yeah, yeah, and I can see that. Hmm. Another course that seems to always appear with US Open winners recently. And if you think Brooks Koepka and you think Dustin Johnson, um, even Jordan Spieth, the course that shouts to me from all of those is Kapalua, the first tournament of the year. Great big wide fairways, coastal golf course. Over 400 feet of elevation up and down across around there. Lots of blind tee shots. Supposedly here there's a lot of blind tee shots. Very similar to Erin Hills last year. And all of those players, Coker and Spieth and Dustin Johnson, two of them have won at Kapalua and Brooks Coker finished second on his first out in there. Yeah. Yeah, you know that 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 those are the kind of obvious things that I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to your total driving point, um, I had a little look through some of the recent weeks um, on both the European Tour and the PGA Tour to see what kind of names that was throwing up for players that are, um, you know, hitting the ball long and accurate, which is, as you said, has tended to be a pretty strong, pretty strong stat for the US Open the last few years. Um, yeah, and. Uh, at Memorial, Gary Woodland was the player who topped total drive, and he finished twenty third overall. So you know it's kind of a little bit under the radar, but um, second for second for driving distance, thirteenth for driving accuracy, which gave him an overall total driving um, figure of first. Yeah. Hits seventy three point six percent of greens and regulation, which was eighth in the field. So he's second for ball striking, um, and, yeah. and third for all round performance as well. And he was third for all round, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of... And, and where's Gary played well? Well, we know that he's played very well at Torrey Pines, pure Poana. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Well, he won in Phoenix earlier this year, so that doesn't really correlate. But uh, but yeah, um, he's got a top five at uh, Pebble Beach. Mm. Um, there's a few little snippets of um, form just flicking through his uh, history that kind of he went completely off the ball didn't he but just recently there has been the odd suggestion that he's finding something yeah yeah absolutely and other names that kind of popped up from the same angle um, and Woods was ninth for total driving that week as well so um, you know there'll be plenty of Tiger um, backers I'm sure um, this coming week um, Kevin Strillman, Danny Lee were both um, strong at Fort Worth. Uh, Bryson was third there as well, and um, clearly he's kind of um, franked that by winning last week. So, you know, looking at these little micro trends isn't always such a bad thing, I don't think. Mark Leishman was sixth at Byron Nelson for total driving. Another one who, if you think about the kind of fit to a um, linksy type of track, given his mm. um, Open Championship record. And, and, you know, Leishman's one of those kind of players that I think's got a major in him further, you know, at some point down the line. Who's to say it's not, uh, um, who's to say it's not now? Jason Duffner, the top total driving at uh, Sawgrass at the Players' Championship. If we're talking about kind of historical, strategic, calm players, um, almost boring players, I guess. Um, and Duffner's one of those, isn't he? 
Jimmy Walker was another one who hit um, some decent uh, total driving numbers that week as well. Um, and one one player who keeps popping up all the way through these is Justin Rose as well, who's clearly striking the ball very nicely at the moment. That um, that Trinity Forest golf course clearly being the same design. I know I know that the um, the grasses were completely different, mm. but that was a the fairways there were seriously wide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that fact, the the fact that Leishman was so good that week, as you said, sixth for total driving that week. Mm. Um, he was eighth for greens in regulation. I I think, and we know that Leishman has got a major in him. He, it would not surprise you at all to see Leishman in the mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I think he's a good good price what? at. What are we getting on um, sixty six. Sixty six. Sixty six. 66 to 1 Leishman. Yeah. It's interesting. What are, you, what are you thinking, Barry? I mean, yeah. No. I, what are you thinking in terms of players? What kind of players? I mean, I, I don't propose to go through the players from the top of the, of the betting all the way down. But, I mean, it says to me, just looking at these numbers, it would be very, very simple to say, oh, do you know what? I think Jason Day has got a wonderful chance. And Jason Day, we know that he plays putts beautifully on Poana. We know that he's won at Torrey Pines. We know that his West Coast record is fantastic. Two seconds at Pebble Beach. He ticks all the boxes. But then you look at his numbers and he can't hit a green in regulation for love nor money. Even when he won at Quail, I think he was 70th in the field for greens and reg. And I, and I think of Jason Day, and you know, mate, I love Jason Day as a player. He's one of my favourites, but I could not back him. This for this tournament because I just don't think that his game's in such a shape with his irons that he can hit enough greens to to you know to hit enough greens to be patient to not make bogeys. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's, it's again, it's a major. You've got all the big names up there, and we could probably you know make a strong case for and against all of them. Um, but we don't have 16 hours on the podcast to go through them all. No. Um, yeah, Jason, Jason Days, and I'm going to put Leishman in with him at the moment. The two of them are kind of threatening to go well, but for some reason aren't really going great. And you wonder whether Leishman, he is on my shortlist. Um, I kind of wonder if he's just been bubbling under and, and, and almost, I mean, maybe not fully focused on getting the win, but rather just tuning himself for it. Like, we've seen how well he can get his game up for majors. Um, and it's certainly... It feels like, of course, it would fit him uh, pretty well, uh, especially if it gets a bit firm and bouncy, um, and, and like even any sort of wind. You know, we know that he relishes the challenge of playing in the wind. So yeah, he's he's definitely there in the list. Kind of in addition to uh, Ricky and Kucher, who I was mentioning earlier. Um, I have an anti-post uh, just on the exchange on Betfair on Stenson. At, uh, I got him at forties, so. Like he's number one for greens and regulation on tour uh, this season, so um, sitting quite happily on that. And he is the kind of patient player that can, you know, he can, he he's got the experience now. He's got a major under his belt, so he doesn't have to go chasing it. He can wait for the course and the and the scores to come to him. So, uh, I mean, where. He's been showing flickers, Stenson. A little bit. I've been watching. I've been, I've been watching him this afternoon, and again, he's gone back to his usual mode. But um, he, he's been showing signs that the putters are slightly warmer. You actually look at the stroke gains putting numbers. He's in the top thirty or something. Hmm. That's positive. Yeah, he's not putting as badly as we expect with him. And I, and and 
I said to you guys when we when we started looking at this score, it must have been six weeks ago, Stenson's name was the first one that jumped to my mind. I mean, I, I'm on him anti-post on the exchange, and I I think there's a lot of a lot of things to like with Henry. You just know that he's going to pound the greens, just pound them and pound them and pound them. Mm. Yeah, and it, that like that does fit into what my eyes saw. I mean, obviously, I'm only looking at the flyovers, and I haven't been on on at the course itself, but from what I tried to take from the flyovers it looked like it looks like a course that you just hit the middle of those greens and uh, and hope for the score to come to you and um, yeah I can I can only go with what I'm I've seen there uh, to guide my bets uh, and thoughts for it so yeah Thinking, I mean you go back to Retief Goosen yes um, Goosen when he won here in 2004 He'd finished second at a Masters. He'd obviously won the US Open in 2001, but it was his Open record. He had finished 10th at Troon, 10th at Carnoustie, 2nd at Muirfield, 10th at St George's. So four top 10s in quite tight, you know, in seven years. And when you look at Henrik Stenson's Open record, it feels very similar. The other thing I noted about Goosen was his four wins uh, on tour had come at places such as uh, we had the Copperhead course. He won there twice in his Brook Resort. And that's a bit of a beast of a golf course. It's also a golf course that Henrik Stenson goes at very well each year. He'd won at Eastlake. Now, we know that Henrik Stenson won to a championship at Eastlake. Yeah. And he's also won a European Tour title at Doha. Now, unless I'm getting horribly confused, I think Stenson's won at Doha as well. I can see the correlation with Doha because, again, it's in the in the desert. It's as about as linksy as you'll get, and um, for a mm. desert track, um, and it can be particularly windy there. You, you often play in a very linksy type of type of game there, um, so that. Doha link is probably worth investigating, particularly from the European side. I mean, the, the Americans won't have played it, you know. There, there just won't there won't be any correlation there. But trying to pick out, particularly um, for kind of the European markets, the GB and Ireland markets, etc. That's uh, that's not a bad angle to have a little look at. I don't think. I mean, I'm just reading out Henrik Stenson. He was third in the 08 Open. I think that was at Turnbury from memory. 2010, he was third. 2013 he was second uh, 2016 of course the champion and if we're thinking Goosen and we're thinking Open Championship and how he'd done and it, and the same went for Mickelson not for Mickelson of course but we know that Mickelson's gone on to but the same also went at the time for a guy by the name of Jeff Maggot he finished in the top three that particular year yeah mm. and Maggot had um, he had a decent history of major top tens at places like Oakmont, Shinnecock Hills previously, Congressional, all these tough golf courses, Pinehurst number two. He'd, he'd finished fifth in a um, Open at Royal Lytham. And you just, you know, he'd, he'd, he had experience of these horrible grinding golf courses. As you said at the top, just playing patient, it will come to me golf. Mm. It does just shout Henrik Stenson to me. It really does. It'll be interesting to see what numbers he produces this week at St Jude. 
Yeah, again, it depends how much you can read into their performances this week as well, doesn't it? Because I think you need to show something, though, don't you? Just you know, just going through those stats that we're talking that we've gone. Through, oh yeah, no, you, have, you have to be showing something, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that you'd want to see a flicker of something, and you know, with Henrik, he can he can produce a field-leading greens and regulation performance and still finish. 30 and, and <laughs> yeah you know he, you know you know that his game's there or thereabouts and it's just got to got to pick up with the uh, putter which um, you know that's, is so hit and miss with him isn't it it's also interesting we hear Henrik that he's gone three straight in the build-up to this mm. he clearly felt and they were golf courses and tournaments he never usually plays Memorial and here at St Jude so I think he's taking it very seriously. Yeah, yeah, tuning up the irons. Yeah, he went well today. 83% of greens today, 78% of fairways, and the classic Stenson minus 0.4 strokes gain putting. <laughs> yeah, that's his game, isn't it? But, but, next, yeah, but next week is not a putting contest in any no. way, shape, or form. As long as you're not three putting, yeah, it, it literally it, it is all going to be about strategy, and it's all going to be about patience and consistency. And just be able to birdie... One or two of those holes that Phil's described of the four or five that you can actually go at. Mm. Yeah, I think if you shoot four sixty eights, you are seriously in the conversation come Sunday. Yeah, mm, I think you're spot yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting looking at the stats of the top three finishes last time um, it was played here because hitting sixty percent of fairways and sixty percent of greens was getting you in the mix, wasn't it? You know, it was particularly challenging to uh, to hit greens even from the fairway, um, and I think that's a symptom of the course as it does dry out. So, so much of this, and we're going to have to keep very close to it over the next few days because there's guys out there playing and practicing right now. Um, and if you know, if it is going to get particularly firm and fast, if there's no more rain, um, then. It is going to be particularly tough, I think, to for guys to to get the kind of greens and regulation numbers that you're going to need for for a Stenson to win this tournament. Um, it does. It, it it just brings a different skill set into into play for me. You know, start to look at players who have that. And you talked about Jason Day. If I was taking one player at the top of the market right now, it would be Jason Day. Looking at those stats, Jason can hit. 60% of greens regulation he doesn't tend to hit a great deal more which is why he doesn't win some of the tournaments that perhaps he should but um, he's scrambling putting like you know, incredibly well at the moment um, I don't I, I, I think that the greens regulation numbers for this for this um, particular renewal will be far stronger than they yeah. were See, in the, 94 the bigger greens yeah. as well aren't they so yeah, yeah. the, the, the they're, dynamics they're bigger it, they're, and, and the golf course isn't going to be playing like cement for the last two days. Mm. I, I, I take the reverse view on day. I just don't think he will be able to hit enough greens to win it. I'm not saying he doesn't finish in the top seven, which with his scrambling ability and putting ability, I'm sure he probably mm. does. But does he win it? Mm, I'm not so sure. Because, you know, unless the trend of the last five years is completely ripped up, he's nowhere near the amount of reliability with his irons that he's going to need. No. No. Do you know what I? I think I think there's quite a few in the top of the market that won't go particularly well. I I, I personally, I mean, people are listening to this for opinions. I think Rory will struggle. I think Justin Thomas will struggle. I can see Rose going very well. Um, I think Jordan Spieth will struggle. You know, we, we're ruling out. I'm ruling out quite a few big names there. I'm still on the fence with Dustin Johnson because if he actually finds something this week at Southwind, 
this is the perfect golf, golf course in my opinion for him mm. hits it a country mile if he can hit enough fairways and, and find his greens and regulation game we know what he's like on Poana he'll just fly around there yeah it's like a and big, per, big version can, of he, Pebble isn't it <laughs> yeah of course it is and, and we're talking about yeah Pebble his record at Pebble Beach is unbelievable so if, if I was taking anyone at the top of the market if he's showing something this week in terms of his all-round game, hitting some fairways, hitting some greens, I think Dustin Johnson. I don't think I don't think the bookmakers in the main have got it wrong. They're making him favourite. Yeah, personally. Yeah, there's the uh, there's not there's not a great deal of value. There never is, is there, at the top of the market? No, so. no, no. That'll be the point, won't it? Yeah. And I also agree with Barry. I, I think another name that jumps out to me over and above Rose would be a Ricky Fowler. Um, I just, I just think that he's coming. You know, he's maturing and he's and he's choosing his targets. Um, clearly, we'd want to see more than sixteen to one about him. I'm seeing one firm at the moment at twenties, but I think Fowler's got a lot of game, and I think that he's got the all-round game and the strategic mindset now, like he showed at Augusta, to go really well this week. And we know he's got a very similar Dustin Johnson type. Open Championship record. Mm. He plays his some of his best golf in in the British Isles, doesn't he? Yeah. He's won a Scottish Open. He's gone close in a number of Open Championships. This just it screams Ricky Fowler, doesn't it? Yeah, if I, I'd like to see him up, you know, hopefully a couple of the guys at the top of market go well this week and get kind of pulled in, and he gets pushed out. And um, mm. I'd be you know, keen, I'd be love I'd love to get him at twenty five to one. That'd be uh, that'd be quite sweet. <laughs> There should be quite a, quite a bit of movement because we are quite early, aren't we? We're Thursday afternoon. The final markets will start going up Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday lunchtime for some of the bookies. and um, We should start to see the extended places coming through then because there's not a great deal out there at the moment. Um, and uh, Clearly the, book market, the, the bookmakers have, as they would do, got a very defensive mindset in terms of Tiger Woods. What, what do we think about Tiger's chances at Shinnecock? Well, if putting doesn't matter, or sorry, doesn't matter too much, uh, that'll probably please him, you know, because he wasn't putting great last week. Nah, he, uh, cool, in fact, if what was it? If he hit just zero strokes game putting for the week, he would have cruised it. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, which it is, is true, which yeah. is a funny stat to hear. Um, so the long game is obviously in uh, in very good shape, um, and we know Tiger has just an incredible short game that he can pull out at the, at the big moments. So I think um, I think he's becoming more and more of a factor on you know a variety of golf courses. You know every every time he tees it up, and I think he's just adding little bits to the puzzle or to to the bit you know the building blocks to, to getting up to a win uh, each week he goes out. Um, I think he's got a great chance. He's also got to be very chilled out in his massive yacht this week as well. Uh, I'm sure everybody's uh, seen that a uh, by now on social media. Yeah, it's already in. It's, he's in. He's in birth, isn't he? Right, come on, somebody <laughs> blow apart the tiger case. Tell me why. I'm not sure why, you can. Why can't win? I'm not sure you can. Well, uh, no, I mean let's talk these numbers, right? So we've gone through the strategy, haven't we? And we've gone through what a U.S. Open player looks like arriving at the U.S. Open. So this was Tiger at Memorial. He was 32nd for driving accuracy, but as Paul said, he was 9th for total driving, yeah? 
He was sixth for greens in regulation, which is his best number of the season. Yeah? And he was tenth in all round, fifth for ball striking. As you said, he putted like Ray Charles, but that's immaterial. So that says to me that he's in rude health, isn't he? He's very close. He's very close. Whether it, he whether he gets the the win that I think is is coming at some point um, at a major, or whether he needs to convert a regular regular event, or even you know somewhere like Firestone further down the line. You know, it's one of the. Can of, you imagine if he gets in the mix next week? Oh. It is going to be mental. Absolutely mental. The, the thing I worry about is that when he's got into that position going into kind of the Sunday and particularly the back nine on Sunday, he's seemed to have stuttered a little bit. So, but it would just be classic Tiger Woods to figure it all out on the biggest of stages at the biggest of moments and play a back nine like he needs to play a back nine to win a tournament on a Sunday. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think... I'm, I'm seeing some stroke gain numbers here and I'm seeing... He was first last week for strokes gained approach. He was third for strokes. Um, t, uh, sorry, he was first for T to green. But the number I don't like is. Uh, I mean, I find this difficult to actually understand because we said he was ninth for total driving. It's saying here he was 65th for strokes gained off the tee. Which. Does that compute? Well, your total driving is just a, a, a combination of your accuracy and, and distance. So. so, so his his wild drives must have been very wild. Yeah, yeah. He's just just not actually converting the chances at the back end. It's, you know, at the end of the day, you, it's all got to come together, isn't it, to make the uh, to make the birdies and uh, he's he, he's a factor, isn't he? Yeah. He's a factor. We we can all we can all say that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look, he's trading at 24, he's as short as 12, so half the price with a number of bookies. So there's clearly a disparity between what the bookies are pricing, and I think the bookies are undoubtedly going to be shorter on him because they know they're going to get people taking the price regardless. But the guys on the exchange are twice the price, and that, for me, that probably tells a bit of a story in that um, he's not really that well fancied. But can he win? Yeah, undoubtedly. Not by the pro punters, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Who else are we looking at in terms of potential challenges then? I mean, one one name that popped to my mind as we as I was looking through this was Brandon Grace. Um, I think the course will suit Grace. Um, we're finishing on Father's Day and Grace is one of the newest fathers in the world of professional golf. Ah, uh, the nappy factor. The nappy factor. The, the mummy nappy factor. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I, I think Grace has got a, he's got a major in him and when he gets one, it will be one of these linksy style tracks um, that he particularly uh, appeals, appeals to him. He's playing well. You know uh, you know when he shot that incredible round to finish at the Byron Nelson, he looked happy. His short game was amazing. His putting was brilliant. Yeah. And again, just because it was a linksy style course, wasn't it? They call it faux links. Faux, yeah, false links. But he, he came to the party, didn't he, mm-hmm. Grace? Yep. And I don't, I don't think those prices that he's been, you know, that are being quoted 
they're, they're not by coincidence because the bookmakers know that this is exactly what he's built for you. Yeah? Yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And the, the fact that he finished 52nd last week at Memorial, um, you know, that, that kind of keeps him under the radar because if he'd have gone third at the Byron Nelson, fifth at, fifth at Wentworth, and then if he'd have produced another kind of fifth, eighth, second, whatever at Memorial. His price will be down in the 25s, 33s. But he's 45 now, and I suspect that will drift out. I suspect you'll get 50, 55 next week when the bookies have all started to push the prices out as the final market's come up. And for me, that's a price worth taking on. I was very, very impressed with him because um, I was I backed him for that particular tournament. Mm. Just to throw some statistics at you, he was eighth for G- Gr- uh, Greens in regulation at Wentworth. And as we saw with Kymer, that's a very good sign. He was 12th for Greens in regulation last week at Memorial. And that's not, of course, I think it's particularly Grace-friendly. But it's interesting with Grace, you know, we're talking about linkable tracks. Um, he was... He's had a top 10 at Copperhead um, when he's played at that. And... Um, we know that at these kind of US link style courses, so it was Chambers Bay and then it was Whistling Straits, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He got those two top fives in 2015. Yeah. We know that he can putt, putt on Poa on Poana Greens because he was in the top uh, top five again at Oakmont. So I, I think he's a good shout, Grace. And what was that course we were talking about on the European Tour earlier? Doha, Qatar Masters. Back to back champion there, twenty six. Back to back champion, yeah. Twenty sixteen was it? Twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, or twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, mm. whichever, whatever combination it was. There's a lot of angles starting to fire into Grace for me. It's funny. He played the Pebble Beach Pro Am this year, and he finished twentieth. You think twentieth? Mm, but listen to this. He was second the whole week for greens in regulation, and from memory, because I put this in the tip for the Byron Nelson, it. Pebble Beach, he was the third best scorer across 36 holes mm. that week. It was the other courses that he struggled on, Spyglass and the other one, Monterey yeah. Peninsula. But on the core US Open course, he was third in the field that week for scoring. Mm. He, he, he's right, isn't he? He's just right for it, mm. yeah? He, yes. I think he's a good shout, Brandon. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what price we can get early doors because I suspect he's the kind of player will, that will be uh, tipped up by the newspapers or some of the um, some of the big internet punters or big internet tipsters. So, does he does he interest you, Barry? Um, yeah, well, I've been quite a fan of his for a long time, and he um, he had my ultimate excitement in Chambers Bay until he wellied it out of bounds on sixteen yeah, on the you Sunday. And, you and me both. Um, yeah. So I think Paul Paul was in the same boat. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he didn't get a Christmas card from me that year. <laughs> but you look, at the, I mean, he hits the ball very flat. So the only thing that would worry me a little bit around here um, is if the greens get very firm. That. Um, he by at a slight disadvantage to the guys who can really get the ball up in the air and landing it a bit more vertically. But yeah. he's proven time and time again that he can show up in the big tournaments. I would want more than 40 to 1 on him, uh, which is the general price across the board right now. But uh, yeah, certainly, yeah, you can't. It would be difficult to persuade people to not back him uh, with what he can do and how the course fits and, and the links that you guys have uh, spoken of. Hey, just mm-hmm. going to throw in, in here, somebody who's striking the ball quite well at the moment, qualified for the US Open, um, 
to extend his run of majors uh, puts like shit, as everybody knows. <laughs> oh, you're not going <laughs> to say Adam Scott. It's Adam Scott. Okay. He's interesting. Just, no, 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 just, no. Just, it's not a bad. Well, it's not a bad thing. But just quick. I, th- I think I think you'll get a bigger price than fifty-five to one in the week. Uh, I think he'll be out to sixty-six. I would agree. So last four tournaments, players, he was thirty-fifth in ball striking. Uh, AT&T yeah. Byron Nelson tenth, Fort Worth yeah. Invitational twenty-third, and the Memorial Tournament fourteenth. And he went to that uh, the longest stay in golf and qualified from the 36 holes to get into the U.S. Open. This is a guy yeah. who is going to be feeling like he's freewheeling, like he's playing with house money when he goes to the U.S. Open. Mm. Patient as well. Absolutely. Ex- you know, masses of experience, a decent Open Championship record. I think there's worse bets out there. Man. Yeah, if you can just make that snake in his hands kind of stiffen up a bit for the weekend, you know, and make <laughs> a couple of putts... Um, You'd like some 66s, wouldn't you? Oh, I would be very interested at 66s. Um, yeah. Especially when you look at players like, you know, Flaky Louis Oosthuizen is around that 66 mark. Who, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like, have to take Adam Scott over Louis at that price. Um, so. I know we're tight on time, chaps. Anyone at triple digits that we could uh, shout out to uh, listeners? Paul mentioned one earlier. And you guys yeah. were talking about him earlier, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the one that caught my eye, and I know Steve, well, we've all talked about him, is Jimmy Walker, who's um, yeah. who's got a fantastic Woodland, record on yeah. Woodland and Walker, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's got a fantastic record on the uh, West Coast, hasn't he, Walker? He can play Poana um, with, yeah. with his eyes shut. And I think great, that, at, great at Kapalua. I also yeah. noticed Corey Pavin, when he won here, he won twice at a Wyalai, and we know for a fact that Walker's a twi- two-time winner at Wyalai. Yeah, yeah. I think Walker's got a lot of, uh, a lot of um, value about him. Mm. Yeah, um, Woodland, who we talked about earlier, caught my eye as well. And I, I don't think I can back him. Going back to the total driving um, angle that we talked about before, um, one player who's been absolutely nailed, nailing total driving on the uh, European Tour for the two big Rolex events, finishing first for total driving in uh, Wentworth and second for total driving at the Italian Open. And this isn't the name that I would have said. But it was Alex leaving. Mm. Now, I don't think I don't think he's the kind of player who can has the patience to um, to win at a place like this. I'm not even sure he's got the um, ability to win a, a major championship just yet. You know, maybe a bit further down the line. Um, but those stats don't lie. He's clearly striking the ball long. He's stri- clearly dri- striking the ball straight. He can make a lot of birdies. I wouldn't be surprised in a, in the right market to get a return from Levy next week. Um, and I know I'm p- pulling together one of the oh, the kind of alternative markets. So uh, yeah, first round leader or best top European yeah, or something like I think, this. I think there'll be something in there. The bookies go they throw some different markets, don't they? At the at the, um, the majors. So. There might be a top 40 market or top 20 or something like that, that where there's a price that actually appeals. Because I, I think he'll outpunch his weight. Because um, the, the, the actual finishes he was getting in those two events weren't particularly good. But that key stat, the one that keeps cropping up at the US Open time and time again, was there. Um, and when there's something like that staring you in the face, I think trying to find a market to suit might be the, might, might be the trick with him. So... Uh, Just for listeners as well, we know that some bookmakers are going to go on a crazy each way offer like next week. So potentially Coral went ten place each way and Masters. I would expect to see something similar. So 
be a little bit patient on Monday when these uh, markets are starting think, to come yeah, up for real. I think we did have 10 places from someone last year as well, didn't we, from memory? Essentially. Mm. Yeah, it's so, so um, easy. you got to sit on your hands on Monday, I think, is the, the best bit of advice we can give right now, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut it down, guys. Because I know we've all got commitments, and the and the listeners, I'm sure, are getting towards the end of their tether with this. But thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time. I'm, I'm like a kid in a sweet shot as usual. I cannot wait for next week. It's gonna be brilliant. Um, I hope uh, over the next few days, our ideas and uh, we start to really batten down who we're gonna be backing next week. Thanks to listeners, and we will be back again for our U.S. Open podcast. Uh, our our actual US Open podcast will be out next Tuesday. Our uh, our main our headline tips at golfbettingsystem.co.uk will be out. My tips will be out on Monday evening. Thank you for your time, and we will see you again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>